0: Let's stand to our feet if we can. Glory to God. I think all of our core kids, no, we have a couple that are still here. They are dismissed at this moment as you open your Bibles to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians, chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 15 to verse 18. When you got it, say so. And it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body of the the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so very much for this day. Thank you for your love, for your grace. Thank you for your reminder of your great love for us. Thank you that you remind us, Lord God, that in our Father's house there is a place for us. We are grateful for that reminder this morning, Lord. I know I am, and I thank you so much for your great love that you show us through your Son, Jesus. And so this morning as we look on your Word, I pray that our eyes would be opened. I pray that our hearts would be Soften that our ears would be attentive and that you would captivate us as we look in the truths of your scripture father glorify yourself in the preaching of your word in the hearing of your word and may we not just hear your truth but may we obey it and respond to it in faith in Jesus good name and everyone said. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, just raise your hand, and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. I want to make sure that you're able to follow along in the sermon. I want to make sure that you're able to take some notes. And as always, we want to remind you that you are a disciple of Jesus, and as a disciple of Jesus, you are called to make disciples. And so, one of the things that you can do is sit down. And I encourage you this every week. I hope that you're doing it. Is sit down with a coworker, sit down with a neighbor, sit down with a friend, um, sit down with an enemy. I mean, I don't know. Just sit down with someone and talk to them about Jesus, right? And you can tell them, Hey, I'm learning some things in the in the scriptures on Sundays. I want to walk with you through that together, so I can give you some, um, you know, give you what I'm getting, and then that helps you to learn the Word of God better, helps you to retain it better, and also helps you to live it out because you're going to have to be accountable to that truth. And so, um, this morning we are going to continue in our series, but before we do jump into the series, I just want to make a really quick, um, a really quick pause, and I want to say um, this. This week is uh, this week coming up is going to start the month of May, if you can believe that. And in the month of May, we also start what we call our Core Connect Life Groups. And so uh, if you're not familiar with what Core Connect is, our Core Connect Life Groups, those are our small groups that we have. And um, just by a show of hands, how many of you have participated in our Core Connect Life Groups? Real quick, just raise your hand if you participate, okay? So that's most of you, so you know what it is. Uh, For those of you that I'm not, this is is the, the second part of our declaration every Sunday. We say we're committed to loving God right? That's our worship. That's our personal devotion to Jesus. And then we say we're committed to growing together. And so growing together is very, very important to us because we are not called to live our Christian faith by ourselves. And so one of the things that we have to do is we have to be intentional about engaging in relationships with our brothers and sisters outside of Sundays. And so this week we start Connect again. The way that we run our Connect, we run them run them kind of semester-based. And so basically, you'll have three months starting in January, and then we take a month off in April, and then May will go all the way until August, and then we take August off, and then September, we start again, and we run until December or something. It's it's something similar to that schedule there. And what we do is we want to make sure that you have opportunities to learn different topics. We have some women's studies that are going to be really great. We have some parenting studies that are going to be really great. Um, I'm doing core foundations. So uh, if you have not signed up yet, for one of our our core connect life groups, it's very important that you do that. Uh, We would love for you to get um, plugged in today. And so after service, you can see some of our leaders out in the front. They'll be there to answer any questions that you have. But you can also search on Realm and you can find in there whatever groups are available. And you can look to see what times, what dates, what locations they're going to be held at. So that way you can see if it works for your schedule. But we really want to encourage everyone to get connected. Amen. Amen. Very important for us as a church. And so we're continuing on in our series, It's All About Jesus. And the title of the message today is, Do You See Jesus? Do you see Jesus? So very important is the, the, the way that we view Christ, the way that we see Jesus. Um, if you, if there is one thing in your, in your outline there, if there is one thing that is common today, in common today with the time this letter was written is that men still endeavor to disprove the existence of the biblical Jesus. You understand that, right? That even to our day today, there are people who are trying to disprove the the existence of the biblical Jesus. And I want you to know something. Outside of scripture, Jesus is one of the most um, clearly declared personalities or persons that history proves and history shows, extra biblical. People that weren't Jesus lovers, people that weren't Jesus followers, they wrote about him. They talked about him. And so history proves his existence and not, not just the existence of someone named Jesus. There are plenty of Jesuses. I'm pretty sure for those of you that are Hispanic, you probably have a Jesus in your family somewhere. I don't, I don't even understand that like I like honestly like why would you name your kid Jesus? I just don't get that like I, anyway I'm just saying but nonetheless uh, you know there's plenty of Jesus is out there and you know Jesus is, and, and, and it's been like that you know for, for generations and stuff like that um, so ultimately what we understand is that there is a biblical Jesus. There's a lot of people that will accept the idea of Jesus, just not the biblical idea of Jesus, just not the biblical truth of what the Bible says about Jesus. But I encourage you to study, to do some digging and find out what the Bible says about him and then look to see if historians actually confirm what the scriptures teach about this Jesus. And and the reason why we have to remember this is because when we look at the book of Colossians, we have to remember that the idea, and we got to maintain this for the context of the the book of Colossians, is the idea that Jesus was not who they believed he was. Jesus was not the divine son of God. He was was not God the son. And so that is what they were trying to proclaim. The Gnostic, the false teachers that were in Colossae, that's what they were communicating. And so, second part of this paragraph there, if Jesus does not exist, then we have no reason to obey the Bible. Do you get that? If Jesus doesn't exist, we don't even need to worry about what the scriptures teach because it really doesn't matter, right? Like that's a big deal when we think about that. The Gnostic false teachers of Colossae contended that Jesus wasn't God. Remember what I said earlier that the Gnostics believed that material things were evil and that the immaterial was good. They had this dualism that was going on in their minds. And and remember the question that was there that they posed and they were trying to answer was how could a good, holy and righteous God create a world in Which evil existed. And so, what their belief was that things that were material, the flesh, the things in this world, those things were evil. The things that were immaterial, the spiritual things, those things were actually good. And so, if they were correct, they could make up their own religion and rules and reject the clear teachings of Scripture. If they're right, that's what they can do. They can say, listen, this Jesus is not who you guys believe that he is. Therefore, we are going to make the rules. We're going to declare what is right. We're going to declare how we're supposed to live. We are going to declare to you the way to get to God. And so the truth of the matter is that we have to look at what the scriptures teach. And so if they were incorrect, they had to bow in faith to Jesus as Lord and Savior. If they're wrong, and it's the same thing for us today, that if the Bible is accurate, which it is, and what it teaches about Jesus, then we have a choice to make. And we have to choose, are we going to follow this Jesus of the Bible? Are we going to obey what the Word of God says? Are we going to adhere to what the Scriptures teach? Or are we going to do our own thing and try to have our own rules and do things our way? So we make those decisions. And so here's the big idea that I have for you this morning. The clearer we see Jesus, the fuller we will live for him. Did you get that? The clearer we see Jesus, the fuller we will live for Him. The more clear we understand who Jesus is, the more fully we will live for Him. Right? It's 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 like understanding the the greatness of a person. When you understand their greatness, when you understand if you're in sports and you have a coach that is a really good, you know, they, they usually what they do whenever they're bringing a coach. Like I know for Alexa School um, for the Masters Academy, whenever they're bringing in a new coach, what they typically do is they go ahead and they read you his resume or her resume. And the purpose of that is to do what? Is to get you excited about that coach, to know that that coach has been successful in certain things. So that way you will motivate, if your children are into athletics, your children to do what? You'll motivate them to honor, to obey, to follow the coaching of this person because of who they are. And when we look at the Bible, the Word of God, and what Paul is doing here, especially in this particular portion of Scripture that we're going to look at today, he is making a clear declaration. He is literally rolling out the resume of Jesus. That's what he's doing throughout this book. He is letting us know who Jesus is. He is making clear to us who Jesus is so that way what? So that way the people of Colossae would have no question that what the Bible or what Paul has taught to Epaphras who brought the gospel to the people of Colossae say, that they would have no doubt in their mind that what Epaphras has been teaching, what they have learned, and what they've come to understand is accurate, and that they need to follow the Jesus that has been declared to them, not the false Jesus that the Gnostics and false teachers were trying to bring to their, or, or the teaching that they were trying to bring to them. And so that's what we have here today, is that we need to have a clear picture of Jesus. Now one thing I want to do is I want to point out to you what we read today is our memory verse. These four verses here are the memory verses for the book of Colossians, and so I hope that you're memorizing those, that you're meditating on those, and I haven't read them through um, the weeks before because I was waiting for us to get here since it was early on in the book, but moving forward, we will say this together every week together. We're going to go ahead and declare this because I want you to let this become part of your memory, and one thing I want to point out about this portion is that um, what what a lot of the writers believe is that the Apostle Paul was actually, this is a type of poem that is being written in order to declare who Jesus is, the way that it would have flowed, and it didn't just end in verse 18, but it actually went down to verse 20. When you look at the way this poem, and, and so that's what they. A lot of the writers believe that this was something that had a poetic nature to it. To be able to declare this was actually believed to be one of the first hymns of the early church. And so, when you think of hymns or songs that people sing, there's usually certain points that have to be made in songs. Like the song has to have some kind of rhythm to it, right? Whenever you're going to sing a song, there has to be a certain rhythmic flow to it. There has to be certain things that are there. Certain characteristics. There has to be some things that are tying in thoughts together. And so that's what. What this is actually doing here. So, something that the early church used to sing as a hymn or declare together. And so, again, it's not as elaborate as some of our hymns today, uh, but nonetheless, it was that, and it was for the purpose of communicating truth. And the one thing that I want to say about music that we listen to and hear me when I say this whenever we think about music this is not part of my notes but this just this is something that we need to hear whenever we think about music one of the things that we understand back in the day when people started writing hymns there was a purpose to the hymns they were writing and it was to further or to help teach and instruct the people and and make them more solid in the truth of scripture it was about indoctrination they were communicating truth and the reason why I say this is important is because I want you to know that there is an adversary that you and I have and that adversary does the same thing through music he uses the same tactics to do what to indoctrinate us and make us think certain ways and so don't believe for one minute that you're just listening to the rhythm hello somebody don't believe for one moment that you're, oh, the words don't matter. Oh, trust me, the words matter. The, the the things that you are rehearsing over and over. When I was a kid growing up, I mean, I have, you know, I have a good memory. And man, I was repeating songs. I can, to this day, sometimes I'm at CrossFit and they do like, I ain't going to tell you what year they do. But anyway, um, you know, they do the songs from that era. And whenever they do the songs in that era, I'm like, man, I need Jesus right now to come in this place because I'm, you know, I'm brought back. I'm translated back into those days. I didn't forget those words. They're still there in my heart. And so the fact of the matter is, you have to be careful what you are listening to. Are you here? Amen. amen. You got to be careful what you're listening to. But let me say this, because you should know, like, there's just some, let me just say this, you should know there's just some music you should listen to, right? Like, amen. Like, let's just, like, but, but can I tell you something? You need to be careful with what they call Christian You need to be careful because I I, I think you should know better than listening to garbage. But there's some stuff that has a label of gospel on it. And listen, I want you to know that gospel is not a genre of music, it is a message of truth. Are you here? And so it's not, that. It's not, that's the problem, is that we've made it a genre of music where, oh, that's gospel. Therefore, if it says gospel, it has that heading, all of a sudden we can go ahead and we can listen to that. Wait a second, that's not necessarily truth. The gospel is about God. It's about the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the offer of hope and salvation. What the, what, what the songs that we should be listening to must proclaim a clear truth of who God is. And so Psalm and, and so this hymn here that the Apostle Paul writes, we'll look at it in detail. The first thing I want you to repeat after me is this, say, "Jesus is preeminent over all creation." He is preeminent over all creation. And notice person is there because these first two, the first two points that I'm going to make, they're very similar, but I want you to know that in these, the, the, the reason why I separated them is because one of them is dealing with the person of Jesus. The second one is going to deal with the power of Jesus in creation. But the first thing we see is that he is preeminent over all creation. Look at verse 15. It says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over over all creation. We must clearly see Jesus as Lord before we will fully embrace him as Savior. Are you here? We must clearly see Jesus as Lord. We must fully see him as Lord. We must understand that he is God and he is God alone. And when we recognize that, then we can surrender to him as Savior fully. Because you know what happens to a lot of folks in our day? A lot of folks in our day want the Savior Jesus. They don't want the Lord Jesus. They want the one who saves them from hell. They want the one who delivers them from their situation. They want the one who walks in and can bring healing to their life, but they do not want the one who is Lord over their life. You see, the reason why people are still trying to disprove uh, uh, the the beliefs uh, of who Jesus is biblically is because not that they don't want the benefits that Jesus offers them, it's because they don't want to have to surrender their lives to obedience to Jesus. See, so if you can disprove him, if you can disprove, I mean, if you can disprove who he is, then you, you know what? You don't have to worry about that. And so the truth of the matter is, is that we have to fully see Jesus because here's the, here, here's the deal. You cannot have him as savior and not Lord. You get that? You cannot have him as savior and not Lord. You can't just say, oh yeah, he's my savior. Yeah, I love Jesus. And listen, no one is going to love Jesus perfectly, but he must be more than just your get out of hell ticket. Hello. He must be more than just the one to walk into your situation in your life. He must be Lord of your life, but you're never going to see that if what? If you don't see clearly who Jesus is. And so there are two statements here that are made that that solidify that Jesus is Lord, which directly address the dualism of the Gnostic false teachers in the place of Colossae. And so they help us to understand who Jesus really is. So it's two words there. If you highlight, underline, if you're taking notes, it is the word image and is the word firstborn. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. So those two words there are talking about the person of Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. It's the it's it's a it's a Greek word this word when we're talking about the image of the invisible in, in the invisible God, it's the word icon. And so what it means here is it means an image, a figure, a likeness. When you think of the word image, this is where we get the 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 the, the English word icon, right? And so when you think about this word here being the image, there's two words that would clearly demonstrate what it's saying. Image, and, and and it is, and it is representation and manifestation. Representation and manifestation. And so the first thing that we see is what is the representation. Jesus is the representation of God Almighty. He represents all that God is, not by accident, but by perf- by perfect plan and design. It means a mark or figure that is burned, a stamp, an impression. A precise, a precise reproduction in every respect. That is what Jesus is when we're talking about who he is. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the precise reproduction in every aspect. That's, that's the Jesus that we're serving. And, and, and then we look at the word manifestation. So manifestation is what? He's the manifestation. He is the revelation of the invisible God bodily and spiritually. This is very important because he is the manifestation of God bodily. He is the manifestation of God spiritually. We cannot access God the Father outside of or apart from Jesus. You get that. We can't access him. We can't. We don't just become more like him because we think positive thoughts. We become more like him in relationship with him, and as we look unto him. And you can write this scripture down as well. 2 Corinthians chapter three, verses seventeen through eighteen. Very, very important. But he is the manifestation. He is the revelation of the invisible God. You can also write down John chapter one and verse eighteen. The book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter one and verse eighteen. Very important scripture there. It tells us what. It tells us that no man has ever seen God except the son who is with the father, the only begotten son who is in the father's bosom. And it says this at the end. It says he has declared him. Say declared him. He has declared him, or he has made him known. Jesus is making the Father known. That is what Jesus does when he comes to the earth, when he subjects himself to flesh. He is making, he is revealing who the Father is. He is making making the Father known unto us. He is introducing God the Father to us. He is letting us know God the Father. That is what it means when we're talking about the image. He is the representation, and he is the manifestation. Of God. And then the second word there is the word firstborn over all creation firstborn over all creation and so he is not firstborn in the in in the sense and this word is really important for us to think about and I, and I want you to know in this in this message today I'm going to be really technical I'm going to give a lot of definitions and things like that and the reason why is because I hope that you will grasp the, the the magnitude of who Jesus is. I hope that you'll think deeply with me this morning and that you will really come come away and be like man this is the Jesus that I'm talking about. This is the Jesus who is who who we're speaking of this is not just oh yeah you know Jesus meek and mild and no, no 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 but this is the God of glory right this is who this Jesus is and so when we're looking at this word firstborn a lot of a lot of people because of that word firstborn there they're like well if he's firstborn then he can't be God that was the Gnostics argument Well, if he's born, then he can't be God because, again, flesh, right, is material, therefore it's evil. So that's the whole issue or the whole idea here. But here's what we have to understand. Jesus is not firstborn in the sense like you or I have a firstborn child. It's not like that. When we look at that word only begotten, it means that he is, he is specific. He is different than anything else. There is a certain essence to him and his nature and who he really is. And so what does this word mean? It's a Greek word. It's prototokos. And what it means in the Greek is it is implies two things. He is priority to all creation and sovereign over all creation. So priority to all creation and sovereign over all creation. He's the priority, he has priority in creation, meaning that he is he is not, he's before all creation. We'll see that as it's fleshed out more as we walk through the rest of what the apostle Paul is saying here. But he's firstborn, he is prior to all creation, before all of creation. And so as we look, see, and the reason why I told you to write down Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 through 18 is because that's an important scripture. Because when we start to grasp the magnitude of who Jesus is, when we start to grasp the magnitude of who he declares himself to be, then what happens is we are looking on his glory. You know what that word says there to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 through 18? It is that as we behold his glory with unveiled faces, you know what's happening to us? We are being changed from glory to glory. Did you get that? As we look on this Jesus the the question of the message is what do you see Jesus are you seeing the glory of Jesus when you are in the scriptures? Are you seeing the glory of Christ? Because when we are looking on the glory of Christ, we are becoming more like him. But if we are not looking upon him, if we are not gazing upon his presence, if we're not gazing upon his glory, if we're not doing that, we are not becoming more like him. It's not just about gaining some more knowledge of who he is, but it is the hope that you would walk away from the scriptures and you would look deeply at who Jesus is and as you do that, as you look in these scriptures, that you become more and more like your Savior. That you become more and more transformed in to his image. Uh, and, and, and we begin to see that. The clearer we see Jesus, the more conformed to his image we become. And the more clearly we can reflect him in the culture. Understand this. God wants to reveal himself and he wants to do it in and through our lives. He wants to show himself to us, and he wants to reveal himself unto others through us. He wants to make himself known unto the rest of creation. Second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. say Jesus is preeminent in creation. So he is preeminent over all creation, but he is also preeminent in his creation. And this is speaking of his power. Look at verse 16. It says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all. All things consist. He is, he is preeminent in his creation, speaking to Jesus's power. Jesus is not just declared, uh, is not just declared the revelation of God and the highest in rank over his creation, but his preeminence in creation is unfolded here. And so three things that we see, you can jot these down and we'll, and we'll unpack them a little bit. But the first one is this, he created everything that was sacred, that, that was created. He created everything that was created. There is nothing that was created. There is nothing in this earth that we see that we have that has been created that 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 we can't give glory and honor to anyone else that, that God did not create and not just God alone but Jesus in the person of Christ and so we see that he created all things and I, I want to make a point here because I think this is very important for us to look at. Look at verse 16. It says, for by him, all things are created. That word by can also be the word in, and it probably should be the word in there. In some translations, it is for in him. And the reason is because what the writer, what Paul is trying to communicate here is not just his ability or the instrumentality of Christ, but it's talking about the locality. Who created all things? It was in him. All things were created in his will, in his purposes, in his power, in his ability. He created all things that were created in him. All things were created. The second thing we see here is he created, he created everything for his glory. Look at verse, look, look at as that verse continues on. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. And so what does he do here? Remember, they have this dualism, right? And so they're thinking, oh, well, the things that, are, that you can't see, those things, you know, yeah, God, he created them. But those other things, now, nah, those things are just evil. And we don't even know how they were necessarily created. But what does he say here? Paul says things in heaven and things on earth. He goes on to, to, to make the, 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 um, the point more clearly. He says things visible and invisible. He's saying the things that you see, he created those things. He created those things, even though they don't always look good, even though they don't always turn out the way that you would think that they're going to turn out. I mean, look at the Garden of Eden and that puzzles people all the time, right? Like, why did he even create these two? Knowing they were going to do that, he could have created some other two, but he did that. Why did he do it? He created it for his glory. For his glory, these things are created. The things that we see, he's making it clear to them and saying, listen, not only did he create everything that was created, he created everything for his glory. All things were created for his glory. He says, in heaven or on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions um, or principalities or powers. And so what is he talking about there? When he's talking about thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, he's speaking of angelic hosts notice what he does not do he doesn't say he only created the good angels he didn't say that he created all things all dominions all authorities all powers notice this though if we go back in history he didn't create evil evil angels he didn't do that he created the most beautiful angel and that was the one that rebelled against him hello He created beauty. He created good. He created those things there, and they chose to rebel against him. And so what we find here is that Paul is is telling them all things were created. He says all things were created through him. Again, that makes it more clear than just by him. They were created through him, his power and his ability, and for him. What does he mean by for him? For him can also be unto him. In in other words, unto his glory, unto his honor, all things were created through him, by him, and for him, for his glory and for his honor. And then the third thing is that he holds everything together by his sovereign power. Look at verse 17. It says, and he is before all things, before all things. He is before everything that was created, before all things. He is there. And it says what? And in him all things consist. And in him, all things consist. What does that mean? That means in him, all things are held together. In him, all things are held together. See, that's a beautiful thing to know is that God in his sovereignty is holding all things together because you know what? Your life would be a mess more than what it is. Hello. If he wasn't holding some things together. because Sometimes in our lives, we're like, man, my life isn't all together, but you know what? It'd be worse if he wasn't holding it together. You look at situations. You look at situations around our world. Imagine if God was not holding things together. If God wasn't mercifully and graciously engaged with His creation. Imagine if God was this this God that many the, you know um, deists have in their mindset that He created all things, placed placed laws in order, and then He went ahead and He just checked out on the seventh day. He rested and He's drinking Kool Aid, not thinking about you or I. Hello right? He's drinking the nectar of heaven up there just chilling and he is not even giving mind to you and I. Listen, that'd be a terrible place to be at. The reality is what? Is that in him all things, all things consist and they have their being together. And so what does this tell us? This tells us that we must recognize that nothing in creation exists without Jesus. Do you get that? Nothing in creation exists without Jesus. We are completely dependent upon the Lord who is gracious, loving, and kind to us. And this should produce within us grateful devotion instead of obligatory obedience. Are you here? It shouldn't just be, I have to obey him. I have to do this. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. You know, can I tell you something? The people that are there that, that, that think that way about following God, that so, it's so obligatory, it's so overwhelming, and it's so hard. You want to know why they think that way? Is because they haven't gotten a revelation of his grace. When you look at a guy like by the name of Martin Luther, right, he was a, he, he was a guy that was, I mean, he used to beat himself up, be the great reformer. He's the reason, he's one of the reasons why we're here today, because he got the revelation that we are saved by faith and faith alone. And so he got, he got that revelation. But this was a guy that used to beat himself up. I mean, you want to talk about someone that was hard on himself about sin. I mean, his rebellion, I mean, they, they, they used to talk about his confessors didn't want this guy to come confess to them because he would come and confess and he would be confessing like the smallest, most minute things because he understood what? He understood how holy God is. And when he gets the revelation of grace, it's not that he stopped being hard on himself, but he started to understand where forgiveness comes from. He starts to understand what grace offers us. And so for us, it becomes the same thing. The only reason why it's hard to serve Jesus in this, and I'm not saying it's easy because, listen, don't get it twisted. There's difficult days. There's tough moments. There are tough seasons in our lives. I don't question any of that. But listen, when you you are overwhelmed by the hardness, it's because you've lost sight of his goodness. It's because you have lost sight of his grace. It's because you have lost sight of his mercy. You have lost sight of who your God is, the graciousness and the love that Jesus shows us. And the third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Jesus is preeminent in the church. Jesus is preeminent in the church. And look what he says in verse 18. And he says, he, speaking of Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Jesus is who God Come in the flesh, the source and sustenance of all creation. And what and, and he is the and he is preeminent in the new creation as well, and that's us. When we think about the church, the church is not just the building. And that's and, and that's why Paul helps us to understand he is the head of the body comma the church because when we think about the church a lot of times for us in our in our mindset hey man you going to church what does that mean yeah I'm going to a building at a certain time to gather with some people and and li- listen it's hard to break that mindset I'm I'm'll I'm, we'll probably say that till the cows come home or whatever I don't know but here's the reality the reality is is it's difficult to break out of that mindset right it's difficult to say well I'm going to church but you have to grasp something forget about the verbiage that you use in your heart you have to understand when you think of church it's not them it's me it's not those people it's not it's us we are the church we are the body and Jesus is preeminent among us he tells us these things here about Jesus and 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 I want you to get this he says that Jesus is the head when you think about the head if you cut someone's head off what does that mean they're dead hello you were like, what does that mean? I, they're dead. That's what it means. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They're headless. Yeah, that, that's right. But they're dead, right? If you cut someone's head off, you know, my, my, um, I, I, can't, I, think, I think it was says She posted yesterday something to the effect of um, there is no one stronger than a baby that has a handful of your hair. <laughs> I'm good. I don't have hair, so it doesn't matter. But for any woman in the room that has ever had a baby grab a handful of their hair, they understand what that means, right? It's that when that baby grabs that hair, wherever that baby's hand goes, where are you going? There. If they're going this way, you're going that way because what? They got your hair, right? And so the reality is when you have the head, you cut the head off, you cut off the life. So what is Paul trying to say here when he's speaking about Jesus being the head? He is the inspiring, the ruling, the guiding, the, com- the, the combining, the sustaining power, the mainspring of its activity, the center of its unity, and the seat of its life. Jesus is the life of the church, He is the life of the church. He is the head of the body. He is the one through whom, from whom we get our life, our lives, our lives exist in Christ, this new creation because of who he is. It goes on to say what? He's the beginning. What does that mean? He's the beginning. Again, he's the first cause. I love this. Listen to this right now. He is the agent that is the cause of something but does not itself have a cause. Did you get that? He is the agent. Listen to that. He is the agent that is the cause of something, but does not have itself. It does not have a cause itself. In other words, he is the reason we exist, but he has no he has, There is no cause. There's no beginning to him. There is no end to him. He doesn't he didn't come one day, all of a sudden we did. He is that agent that is without cause. He causes everything, but he has no cause. Where did God come from? Listen, I can't answer that question. It's not a a question. There is no beginning to God. There is no end to God. He is eternal. So you and I can't grasp eternity. We can't get eternity. We can't understand what eternity means. Listen, because we don't know anything that is tangible in our lives that has always been and will always be. When we look at our parents, even though they were just there, one day we recognize them, right? As we grew up, you know, our parents were just always there, you know, in, in, in most situations. And so we don't think about when they started. But then as we get older, we start to notice they're getting older. And we realize, hey, when were you born? And we start knowing that they had a birth date. God does not have a birth date. Hello, somebody. Jesus in his carnality, he does in his flesh, in his incarnation, he has a birth date. But listen that but he was existing before that birth date. That is what Paul is trying to communicate. There wasn't a day that he came like every other one of us, we come into existence at a certain point in time. Jesus in the incarnation does have a certain point in time, does have a birth date. I don't think it's October 20 or December 25th, but nonetheless. He does have a birthday, doesn't he? He has a day that he came into this earth. He has a day that he comes to to life in this earth. But what Paul is saying is, listen, he's the beginning. He is the beginning of all things. He is the first cause, and he is the firstborn from the dead. We already talked about what that word firstborn means. But what is he saying there? He's communicating he is the first one that rose from the dead and is not going to die any longer. Are you here? He is the firstborn uh, in, in, in all of that, uh, from the dead. He's the first one to overcome. And so what does this teach us about Jesus? Jesus is our head. He is the source of our life because of his eternal existence, because he is before all things, the beginning, and because of his power over death in the resurrection. You know why we can sing songs like Our Victory is Guaranteed? Y'all like that song? Y'all like it? I like that song. I, I love that song, right? I mean, I, Especially when we start breaking it down. I love it. But anyway, here's the thing. You know why we can sing that song with confidence or really have victory? It's because Jesus rose. It's because he rose. Listen, Jesus dying is a big deal, like huge. I mean, he died for our sins. But if he did not rise again, his death doesn't have power to do anything in our lives the reason why we can rejoice, the reason why we can sing with confidence, the reason why you can preach with boldness and you can declare unto others about this saving power of God and who God is, it is because of the resurrection of Jesus, because he rose. Because he is the risen one. Jesus is preeminent. And I love this because he says this at the end, and I look look at this word, and, and Paul is saying all of these things And he says this, that in all things he may have the preeminence, that in all things, that in creation he may have the preeminence, in the church that he may have preeminence, that in the world he may have preeminence, that in everything he may have the preeminence. And remember, we talked about this the first week, that for a lot of us, Jesus is prominent, but he's not preeminent. He's important, but he's not the most important. He matters, but he doesn't matter most. He is an important figure in many of our lives and even within our churches. He is important, but he is not the most important. He is not the most important in all areas. And and, and the the scripture says that Paul is communicating this and God has worked these things out this way that he would have the preeminence and all. And I love that word when it talks about that he will, that that in all things he may have. When you look up that word may have in in the original, the the way that it writes out is be becoming first. That he would be becoming, right? And a lot of times you read like a Greek statement and like it doesn't make sense, but it's because he's trying to drive a point home. He's he's, He's trying to emphasize a point. He's trying to say something. He's like, listen, it's not just that he was once everything to you. It is that he continues becoming preeminent in your life that every time that you start thinking about him, again, his preeminence is renewed in your heart. That every time you start meditating on who he is, again, his preeminence. See, here's the thing for us. Many times we think about making a commitment once to Jesus, and that's beautiful. But every time you sit down and you think of the majesty of Jesus, you know what should be happening? There should be a renewal of your understanding of who he is. There should be a renewal of your commitment to who he is. There should be a renewal and understanding that you are, that he is becoming Again preeminent in your life That's what should be happening to us You know why this is so important for us Because life gets in the way Because situations in our lives Will make us question Is he really preeminent things will go on in our lives that will make us think man is, is he really worthy of glory and if we are not I mean things happen in our lives that we get shook man I mean you know people die unexpectedly scenarios happen people get sick things occur in our life things happen around the world and you start looking at man it's God and you know what that's the reason why you got to come back and look at who Jesus is That's the reason why this memory verse becomes so important for you because you know what? It shouldn't be something you just memorize once and forget, but it's something you can rehearse and you can meditate on and you can be reminded of the fact that he is preeminent in all things. That he's above all of creation. He's above creation. He's above the new creation. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And hear me when I say this, church. We must make Jesus preeminent because of who he is. We must make him preeminent because of who he is. Nobody else can make him preeminent in your heart or in my heart. And so here's the, the, the closing question that I have for you. Is there anything hindering your view of Jesus? Is there anything hindering your view of Jesus? I don't know what, I don't know what is hindering your view of Jesus. But I hope that these things here helped unblock some stuff. And as 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 you think about that, I want you to think about the Nicene Creed and look at what it says here. The Nicene Creed, they're gonna they're gonna post this up here. But this was, is this was one of the creeds that came out of some discussions that were had. I don't have the time to get into the history of this. But here's what it says. It says, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Of all things visible and invisible. And then look at what it says about Jesus. It says, And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. Amen. What is it that's hindering your view of Jesus? Let's stand to our feet and let's bow our heads. Lord, we come to you today and I don't know what my brothers or sisters are going through in their lives and I don't know what it is that is trying to block their view of you. But Lord, I pray that you would expose the blind spots right now. I pray that you would expose the things that are clearly hindering them being able to see you for who you are. And I pray today, Lord, that you would Liberate our hearts from anything that is hindering us from seeing you. God, I pray this for my brothers and for my sisters, and I pray for those in this place that may not know you, God. Those in this place that may have never put their faith in you today, I pray that they would call upon you. I pray that your word would penetrate the depth of their heart, that your majesty would overwhelm their minds, and that you would remove the blinders and the barriers that they would be able to bow to you for your glory. God, we pray all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Come on and give God a hand of praise.